All right, guys, that's it for the show. Uh, that was Mr. Fingers Washing Machine. See you guys around tonight. Hopefully, have a great weekend. Stay tuned for another bar coming up right now.
flowers. To the Cherokees alert the chief Burns Asian effigy It may hurt my teeth But I don't mess with dentistry My mouthpiece is a sacred cemetery A sentiment near death experience Type kids Lord of mercy Bounce a rain check After the Spanish week Doing a Sundance Conserving my energy Western medicine men Are collecting their feet While I'm whispering words of wisdom Let it be Rushing up Unexcusing my French Learning to act more gentlemanly Getting on up Up off of the bench Join the game rather than Just yelling at the telly Holding my nose to avoid the stench Shake up my edges Get your memory And these, these things These are things to set you free Control your thought Mental telepathy Tell the shut eyes To teleport mentally Abort the pregnancy Report the felony Remember, these are things to do in Denver
And you're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Sage Francis with Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead to Me. From Sage Francis's new mixtape, Sick to death. And Sage Francis will be in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada on June 12th at Fortune Sound Club. Strangefamousrecords.com, sagefrancis.net for more information. Hello, Sage Francis. Today on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with Bun B from Port Arthur, Texas. Bun B. To prepare you for Bun B, thought I would play some stuff related to Bun B, i.e. the first rapper ever from Houston, Texas. The L.A. rapper, he was called, and we're going to play a track from a 7-inch called McCar- McGregor Park. I was going to say MacArthur Park because I make that mistake all the time. But McGregor Park by the L.A. rapper from 1985 and in an interview with Bun B from Houston, Texas. But before that, going to play something by Mishi Me from Toronto, Ontario, Canada from 1988 on the first priority record label. And what's the name of that track, Tyler, that you queued up there? Tyler from Radio Zero kindly queued it up for me here on, on C- this mic. Uh, on this mic is the name of the track. JP version. The JP version. Oh, I think that's the LP version. It, prob- it says the JP version. Does it say the LP version? Are you looking up? Uh, it's a J. It is a J. Wow. The JP version of On This Mic by Mishi Me coming up on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show as queued up by Tyler from Radio Zero. And then right after that, we're going to hear the L.A. rapper with McGregor Park from 1985. So here's Mishi Me from 1988, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Just look at all the stuff. 
MCs that were Jew Cause they playing it smart and thinking it over Can Missy be beaten? I wonder, I wonder, tic-tac-toe bingo Missy is single, boys are amazed by my lingo Fringo, you wanna rap with me, I'm a rap aider You wanna rap against me, I'm a rap terminator If you're hiding any project, I will use logic So then before you say it, don't let me display it Just the thought of you breaking me is catacharismic Cause I was born in the sounds of time Coagulated with a soul, the mathematical rhyme You wonder how I got through, well don't let it upset you Just rock to my jam, cause respect is due I'm like a picture, I hold all my memories Down with every posse, I try not to keep enemies Every now and then, jealousy will occur But I'll get busy, and all you see is a blur Mission needs dough, quite hard to provoke Like a baker, I need dough to produce more bread That's why when I control the mic, I say what has to be said
Who are you? I'm Bun B. Bun B, welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thanks for having me. Right off the bat, Bun B, I have a gift for you. Uh oh. Right here, something special and near and dear to your heart is in this towel. What could this be? It's a bobblehead, but of who? A throbblehead. A throbblehead? You're very good. You can identify. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. This is crazy. Is this blowfly? Oh, wow. This is crazy. A blowfly bobblehead. Where'd you get that, man? Everybody knows I'm a big blowfly fan. I'm, a, I'm one of the older kids in hip hop, so I remember... You know, way back in the day, you know, this is Blowfly, the master of class, and I'm here to sock some soul to your ass. You can tell the people Blowfly, because you love Blowfly, you love Dolomite, you love Millie Jackson. This is true. These are the kind of the albums that I was raised on in, in my house. My dad would have a lot of this stuff, and a good friend of mine, Sharan Thomas's Uncle Papa, too, would have a lot of this kind of stuff, and this is the kind of stuff that made me want to get into music uh, on the raunchier side of things, you know? And Blowfly's still out there. Like, you shouted him out on his birthday, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And then they actually put together a nice documentary of him as well. So you could definitely go online to iTunes and look at the Blowfly documentary. It's very interesting. I don't think people realize that as Blowfly is not... being Him being Blowfly is just one part of his incredible music career. Thank you very much, Nardwa. Well, to welcome you to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Bun... <laughs> Bun B. Yes, sir, Bun B. Bun B, what did you do on August 30th? Uh, on August 30th in Houston, Texas, I was awarded my own day in the city of Houston by our wonderful mayor, Anise Parker. And what did you do on December 2nd? Oh, wow. What did I do on December 2nd? Of this, of just past? That's a good question. What did I do on November on December 2nd, Nardwa? Because that's Bun B Day in Port Arthur, UGK Day. Oh, actually, that's right. That's UGK Day. You're absolutely right. How many days are out there that you don't know of, Bun B? Uh, there might be a couple more days out there that I maybe not so much I don't know of them, maybe I don't remember. But uh, no, December 2nd is definitely the day that the city of Port Arthur uh, gave myself and Pimp C our own day and awarded us entry into the Gulf Museum Hall of Fame. I mean, the Gulf Coast Museum Hall of Fame. Bun B, what's the importance of KTSU Kids Jam? Oh, Kids Jam, uh, KTSU Kids Jam is the uh, student radio station at the at Texas Southern University in Houston, Texas, and they started out um, a show on their on their radio show where it was one of the first places in Houston that you were able to listen to hip hop music. Uh, a lot of people don't know that King T, the rapper, was one of the first DJs at TSU for Kiss Jam. From L.A.? Absolutely. That's amazing. I didn't know he had those Houston roots. Oh, yeah. He definitely spent some time at the at Texas Southern University and was part of the radio program there at KTSU. So he's one of the founding members of Kids Jam. Bundy, who was Marlon Banks? He was with, I think, Pimp C when Pimp C discovered Big Time Records. Who is Marlon Banks? Marlon Banks is a person from Port Arthur, Texas. He's also a um, producer and DJ, one of the um, earliest uh, practitioners of rap music in Port Arthur, Texas. So as far as me, he's one of my OGs in the music game in Port Arthur, Texas. He was definitely a good friend of Pimp C. They produced a lot of stuff together in their earliest days before we even founded the group UGK. And he was one of the people that was there when we first made the introduction to uh, Russell Washington at Big Time Records and King's Flea Market. That's well, it was in a flea market? How long was it in the flea market? It's still in the flea market to this day. And we found it in 1991, and uh, 25 years later, it's still in the same flea market, in the same location, doing what it's always done, giving a good street music to the city of Houston. Bunby, the Hardy Boys, was that Pimp C's first group? I think the Hardy Boys would have been um, the first rap collective that Pimp C was a part of. Absolutely. Um, it was founded, I want to say, in... 
the Hardy Boys would probably be from like 88, 89 in Port Arthur, Texas. Um, one of the earliest practitioners of hip hop in our city as well. Also um, counted uh, popular hip hop video director, Mr. Boomtown as a, a part of the hip-hop initiative that the Hardy Boys came out of. But those were the guys that we looked up to when we were young and like, man, we want to be rappers like those guys. Do you still keep up with any of your high school classmates like James Freeman? Uh, not necessarily with James, um, but one of my best friends, Richard Harrison, actually came out to one of our shows recently that we did on the uh, East Coast during the Trillist Tour um, U.S. run. So I, I do try to keep up with a lot of boys. Uh, also, a good friend of mine, Carby Rose, who's one of the early Hardy Boys as well. I just talked to him recently in Port Arthur. How about Tesha Foreman? Do you remember her? Absolutely. Tesha Foreman, I talked to very often. Her dad owns RBJ's Cafe. Um, he's a good friend of mine, and uh, she's now a teacher in Houston. I actually have to go and speak to her class before the end of the school year. So when I get back to the States, I got to try to catch up with her. Now, speaking of high school, did you have an acting scholarship waiting for you? Yeah, um, I was uh, part of the drama department at uh, Thomas Jefferson High School and actually had a, a drama scholarship set up for me. But as long as I had thought drama was going to be my, first, my, my real passion, it ended up being overtaken by music my senior year. And I decided that drama wasn't what I wanted to do. Music was what I wanted to do. I've seen some headlines. Pimp C should do more acting. Pimp C should do more acting. Bun B should do more acting. Were you guys always approached for that? Yeah, uh, I think because of the dynamic personalities that we had, specifically with Pimp, uh, people were always trying to catch that on film. You know what I'm saying? But it's very, it was very sporadic and uh, not easily containable. But yeah, people did um, want, um, want us and considered us for a lot of different independent film roles. Bun B, who are squeaky nonsense? Squiggy Nonsense is one of the first groups that actually let us perform with them. Um, one of the members of Squiggy Nonsense is now a music video director and documentarian by the name of Orbit. And recently I've taken to calling him OG Orbit because very few people know of his rap career. But he was one of the first people to actually hear our music appreciated and ask us to come out and perform at a nightclub. Was that the Coco Mode to like seven people? That was Club Coco Mode, absolutely. I was deep north side, like off of 1960, deep off in the cut. Bunby, quote, then along came Ghetto Boys, Raheem and the... Um, okay, Ghetto Boys, Raheem and Royal Flush. And Royal Flush. And I would like to ask you about those particular groups right here. What can you tell the people about these groups right here from the top? Okay, this is Royal Flush. Um, this is a group... Signed to Rap-A-Lot Records in the late 80s. Um, in the middle, you see, that's Rick Royal. Let me see. You got Rick Royal. You got, actually, this is Born Twice. Uh, over here in the corner is James Prince, the founder of Rap-A-Lot Records. And, um, I love the way he's on the cover of the record that he puts out. Oh, you got to love that. He's got his gangster hat on in the back. He hasn't looked that young in a long time either. But this is a very big, impactful record for me because Ricardo Royal, who's the lead rapper in this group, was um, one of the people that really taught me uh, that you know lyricism is key and to really fine-tune myself as a lyricist and it was a great opportunity wow look at this cat sergio right here i'll be this is crazy man these are some of my closest friends and dearest friends right here on this and flip it over it gets even crazier on the back doesn't it oh yeah yeah this was this was how you did it wow look at james prince with a baseball cap on and his shirt tucked inside of his shorts this is amazing do you know any of those ladies at all? Do you know a lot of the ladies in Houston? Is it wrong of me to ask if Bun B knows the ladies in Houston? I'm sure I'm familiar with a few of them. Yeah, but not these particular ladies. These, these might be a little bit before my time. 
I probably would have been in uh, in 1988. I would have been in the eighth grade. So they probably wouldn't have popped up on my register. But it's great that you shout out Royal Flush and you shout out the Ghetto Boys. You can't beat this. This is the original lineup of the Ghetto Boys. You know, or the second version. No, this is the first. This is the original version. This is well, that's the original version. The Car Freak version is the original version. Well, yeah, this is true. That's with Prince rap a lot and those guys. Yeah, this is the rap, this is the Ghetto Boys that most people would know. Though, as far as the first album, this would be the first single put out car freak which you don't see that every day as well uh, this guy Raheem the vigilante you know doesn't get enough credit as far as the you know the impact that he had in southern hip-hop and as well as being a part of rap a lot records you know bringing one of the first soundtracks to Raheem was featured on a movie soundtrack he's the first artist from our area to do that and uh man just very imposing you know what I'm saying very stoic I get a lot of my um personality from guys like Raheem you know and actually, I want to ask you, Reddy Red is pictured right here. DJ Reddy Red. He gave you some advice? You're down with Reddy Red? Oh, yeah. We're always down with Reddy Red. Man, I actually just saw Reddy Red. Um, what city was that, Damo? Actually, who's down there? Maybe you could identify. Who is that down there? Who do we have in the house? Well, um, the closest person to us with the Stoozy sweater would be Corey Moe. Um, right behind him would be Truck Buck. Um, to the left of Truck Buck would be... Um, Red Boy, a.k.a. Double Dose. And in the back with the red T-shirt on is DJ Domination. DJ Domination was actually uh, Ghetto Boys and Scarface's DJ as well. Actually, still is Scarface's and the Ghetto Boys' DJ. Right here to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Back to Ready Red, though. You said you saw him when you were on tour recently. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's always good to see people like that. You know, he's another person, you know, really one of the foundations of hip-hop, one of the founders and creators of that Southern sound, man. And he's still in very good spirit, still uh, appreciative of his place in hip-hop, you know, and it's always good to see guys like this and acknowledge who they are and what they've done. You can put those down there for a sec, Bun B, because I want to ask you about this record right here. You also give a shout-out to OG Style. What can those people with OG Style? Yeah. Rest in peace to E, OG Style again, another one of the earliest groups from Rap A Lot Record. I know how to play him. I know how to catch him slipping. This was a very big record if you were a rapper because E was one of the first people to really bring that East Coast sensitivity with his lyricism. You know, not trying to be an East Coast person, but just show people that, you know, the records that you guys can make, we can make those too. But then we make our own music as well. And uh, E was definitely very impactful in, in my personal life. I got the chance to meet him years later after his album came out and build a very good friendship and I knew him up to his last days man he was a real friend of mine Bun B also want to ask you on your new LP you have Devin the Dude oh yeah definitely Devin the Dude has always been a friend of ours you know um, um, Blind Rob who's a producer from the Odd Squad who's a member of uh, the group with Devin and that's exactly what I want to ask you about the Odd Squad this is crazy man I can't see it wow smoking the weed and Rob is blind yeah, Rob is blind. Rob Quest, um, the member of this group, is blind, but he's also the producer and one of the lyricists in the group. Um, these were really good friends of ours as far as just, you know, downtime. You know, whenever we would come to Houston and look for samples and stuff, we would always go to Rob's house in Third Ward and um, and hang out. He and Pimp would talk about production and stuff. Funny story about the Odd Squad. We went in Rob's bedroom. Rob had pictures of women like two life crew posters and jet beauties all on his wall but he's blind so at first we didn't want to say anything but pimp couldn't hold back so he's like rob why do you have these pictures on the wall that you can't see and rob's like they're for you baboon <laughs> you know genius that's a genius thing inspiration absolutely man I, I still count rob as one of my closest friends 
Ben B, you also have a song called, quote, The Legendary DJ Screw. This is true. This was on my last album featuring different members of the Screwed Up Click. How did DJ Screw first describe his music to you? Uh, he never really felt the need to describe it, I think. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it, was, it was just slowed down. You know, and it was just something that he, you know, wanted to do. It was a certain way that he felt he could connect to people closer and separate himself from other DJs. And I think he did a great job. Did you ask him, though, like why it was like that? Weren't you kind of confused when you first heard it? Um, It was off-putting, but at the same time, I was under the influence of certain drugs that had me slowed down anyway. So I'm not sure in the earliest moments if I ever recognized the difference. Bun B, there was also that group, The Convicts. Oh, yeah. Big Mike and 3-2. Big influences on me lyrically. Um, Big Mike, um, you know, very aggressive style of lyricism, which is kind of what I've always led to. And then 3-2, you know, who was an incredible lyricist with wordplay, but also was able to insert a lot of humor into his songs. And that was something that I picked up on as well. Well, I wanted to ask about the song Wash Your Ass. That's going pretty hard by the convicts, isn't it? Wash Your Ass? What's that about? Well, it's about washing your ass. You know, it's, it's about people whose asses aren't washed. And um, when they get in the vicinity of people with a you know pretty decent sense of smell, that people can realize that their ass hasn't been washed. And this is just kind of more of an infomercial in the middle of an album. You know, just a suggestion for people with asses that need to be washed. Bunby, also wanted to ask you about this artist right here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Shit. We have Choice. What are you tell people about Choice? Choice, uh, first lady of Rap A Lot Records, um, probably the first female lyricist I ever knew personally. Um, very sexually suggestive. Um, I think that's an understatement. Um, she probably would have told you to wash your ass too. Baboon. <laughs> Absolutely. And speaking of Pimp C, I have another gift for you right here, Bunby, a Pimp C t-shirt for you. Oh, well, thank you very much. We never never get enough of these, I think. How many of those do you get? Like, do fans give a lot of homemade Pimp C shirts to you? Yeah, I would say probably at least 50% of the shows I do come with something. If it's not a Pimp C t-shirt, then someone will come up and show me a Pimp C or a UGK tattoo. But the dedication and the faith that our followers and supporters have had for UGK over 20 years is very hard to match in this industry. Bun B, did Pimp C play the trumpet? I think so. Um, I think in, in middle school... Um, not so much in high school, but I think initially, I think he was trained in the, trump, in the trumpet, definitely in the piano, um, a little bit of guitar. And he sang too, like he went to Carnegie Hall? Yeah, yeah, as a student, I, the, the high school choir took a trip up to Carnegie Hall. I remember them going up there and actually being able to go to Brooklyn to Sylvia's. That was a big deal for them. And actually, they got to go to go shopping in Harlem as well. So that was a very big deal for them as high school kids. And did Pimp C's dad know Solomon Burke or they played together? Yeah, Pimp C's dad was also uh, in, in the music industry in his earlier years. So, uh, yeah, you know a lot. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's very few people even know that. What did he say about Solomon Burke? That's kind of fascinating. That's a good question. Um, of course, Solomon Burke, musical legend, you know what I'm saying? A big OG in a big chair and, uh, you know, amazing contributions. And a lot of our sound is built off of people like Solomon Burke and, uh, you know, a lot of uh, blues and um, gospel music it definitely is the foundation of Southern hip hop. Bun B, Mama West said, quote, and this is from the Underground Kings documentary. The last two years, Pimp C was incarcerated. He was in the medical unit because he was nuts. Um, that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but um, yeah, he definitely did have... Um, a situation at one point, but I'm not sure if he spent the entire two years in there, but there was a situation where he had to kind of reclaim himself for a minute. 
And he didn't really like Coca-Cola or Microsoft? Um, I think as far as stocks, yeah, which, you know what I'm saying? I don't know about personally, but it wasn't something he wanted to invest in. I personally would agree, disagree with that. Bunby, I want to ask you about the coloring book slash comic book slash say Serrano. Yeah, Shay is... Um, Thank you, Shay, for setting up this interview. Shay's a good guy. Uh, Shay knows a lot of great people like yourself. Um, Shay's an incredible writer um, for different magazines and newspapers and whatnot. He's also um, a middle school teacher and a kid's football coach. Very multifaceted dude. He also drew all of the pictures and all the activities in the book. He's an incredibly you know, smart, funny, probably one of the funniest people on Twitter. And uh, a friend of mine. What has been the reactions to people? Because you have to phone up each of the people to get their permission. How did you pitch it when you phoned up people? Like, did you phone up Kanye? Uh, I didn't phone up Kanye. I don't know if you can phone up Kanye. I keep hearing that he only works by email, so I'm not sure if you can actually phone up Kanye. But, yeah, pretty much everybody in the book, we gave a call, and I just, you know, told them, hey, we're doing a, you know, we're doing a coloring book. Everybody thought it was a pretty good idea. We only got turned down by one person. Can you mention who that was? No, nah, I won't. He's a good friend of mine, and I don't want to put him in a funny position. He just, at the time when we pitched it, he didn't understand it, and he didn't want to be a part of it. Riff Raff is in there. Pretty amazing. Yeah, Riff Raff, of course, another Houstonian. You know what I'm saying? When did you first encounter Riff Raff? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think I saw him backstage at a, sh- at a show. Um, this was probably right after him being on TV and whatnot. And uh, he was still trying to figure out who he was. But, you know, we try to encourage everybody to be themselves and do their own thing. And I think Riff Raff is a great example of somebody kind of going out there and doing them. Hannibal Burris is a big fan of your song, Pregnant Pussy. Yes, Pregnant Pussy. I said it. I'm not a big fan of that song, though. How did all that come about? Hannibal Burris and you on stage together talking about the pregnant pussy. Hannibal. Oh, now he made me say it. Uh, yeah, you said it. You, you 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 said it. It's on tape, so we got you. Um, now Hannibal is a you know he's a really funny guy. You know what I'm saying? Smart too. Very very smart individual. Of course, he's a comedian, but he's also a writer. I don't think people really know he wrote for Saturday Night Live. He wrote for Thirty Rock. So he's definitely a bright guy. And um, I think we have similar tastes in music and humor. And I just kind of reached out to him, let him know I was a fan. He let me know uh, likewise. And uh, we just kind of built up a little relationship. And when he went out on the comedy tour, he asked me if I would be interested in coming out and doing a little something with him. I thought it would be neat and different. It was a great opportunity. We took advantage of it, and I think it paid off. Did you know it was going to be the song Pregnant? Pussy. No, I didn't. Why, why are you scared to say it now? You've already said it. We've crossed that bridge. Now, speaking of pregnant... Pussy. I'd like to ask you about Houston food. Pussy. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm... The Eastie Boys Waffle Bus. What can you tell the people about the Eastie Boys Waffle Bus? The, it, yeah, the Eastie Boys and the Waffle Bus are two examples of food trucks that we have in Houston. And a lot of people know that I'm a big, big fan of the food truck movement. Um, Eastie Boys are great guys. They're psychedelic guys. So, you know, a city like Vancouver would be good for guys like that. They would really enjoy it. The Waffle Bus, of course, everybody that comes to Houston always wants to try the Waffle Bus. You know, we got you started out with one, I think just like three or four in the city. And I think they're getting ready to open up. Um, uh, brick and mortar Easy Boys just opened up A brick and mortar cafe On Montrose So if you're in Houston You like food trucks Definitely check out those guys um, Either at the truck Or at the The uh, brick and mortar restaurant Also Burt's Meat Market And Crispy Fried Chicken Frenchies There you go That's a big That's somebody to know About that Burns over there but yeah, man, that's also like if you come to Houston, if you're on the south side, then you want to, you know, want to get some good food in the hood, then that's where you go to Frenchies. If you're on the north side, you want to get some good food in the hood, that's where you go to Burns. How about the Reggae Hut? 
Reggae Hut is kind of in the middle. Reggae Hut is in Third Ward. Um, the same guy that owns the Reggae Hut also owns the Breakfast Club. And those are both great restaurants to go to in that Third Ward area. And Bennigan's and Sarton's? Bennigan's, not so much. You know what I'm saying? I think I think everybody would agree that we're done with Bennigan's. Sarton's is actually um, a very popular place in Nederland, which is like, you know, five minutes out of Port Arthur. More a suburb of Port Arthur than anything. But that's somewhere that everybody goes to eat. Big fan uh, of Sarton's is my wife. She uh, goes over for the crabs. How about that Green Seed Vegan? That's her place. Green Seed Vegan is definitely my wife's place. That's in Third Ward as well. And it's one of the first vegan spots in that community. Um, it's, you know, offering a, a healthier lifestyle. My wife goes there for uh, veggie tacos. And Max's Wine Dive? Can't beat Max's. We were just talking about Max's the other day. My DJ just went over to Max's the other day. And his complaint was that they didn't have hot sauce. But yeah, you got to go to Max's. They do the fried lobster. You can't beat that with a bat. Bunby, I want to ask you about the importance of the 7A3. This is uh, one of my favorite groups. I always love this because this is the first group that DJ Muggs was in. And I always tease him about this. You know what I'm saying? So you look right here, you see DJ Muggs on the album cover. Muggs is a good friend of mine. We do the Gumball Rally together all the time. But 7A3, Coolin' in Cali, this was big for me. This was a very big record. It was, And it got the old school USA Adidas joints. That's fly. But yeah, no, and then I always talk about Muggs' hair on here, too. Great shot on the back as well by Glennie Friedman. Oh, wow. Glennie Friedman shot this? Yes, he did. Oh, wow. This is crazy. Yep, sure did. This is a great shot, too, by the way. Another influence I wanted to ask you about that you've shouted out before, Ed O.G. from Beantown, right? Boston representing, man. Yeah, this was big, man. Ed O.G. was was big for us because, you know, he was a good rapper and all of that, but he was also a very responsible individual. So you had certain records that were just about having a good time and then certain records like Be a, a Father to Your Child, which was huge for hip-hop because it was a subject that was never really tackled in hip-hop before. So Ed OG definitely is a, is a, is the man for that one. And we got a lot of respect for Ed, man. He's still the OG. I met him recently, um, not too long ago, maybe in the last two years in Boston. And, um, you know, we had a good talk about, you know, we're from a different time and era in hip hop, but he was always about, you know, moving the, the, the culture forward, man. So hats off to Ed OG for sure. From Boston all the way to Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Cool C, glamorous life. This is who we wanted to be. This is who Pimp C and I wanted to be. Cool C, Steady B, Hilltop Hustlers. These were the guys that we, we thought, well, we thought we wanted to be these guys until they got to robbing banks and and uh killing police officers that was a bit much you know what i'm saying but you know cool C, keep your head up you know it, it's sad cool C is actually one of the first rappers to actually you know be given the death penalty in hip-hop but um growing up watching cool C and those guys hopping out the cars with the big jewelry on people don't know in this video for the glamorous life his video girl is jill scott no way, really? Yeah, if you go back and look at the video for this, the video girl in it for this video, for this song, Glamorous Life, is the R&B singer Jill Scott. Have you talked to her about that at all? I haven't. I haven't had personal time. I have to have Questlove set me up a phone call about that. But a lot of, lot of our female R&B singers started up in the hip-hop community. Um, one of the first hip-hop rappers, female, was Angie Stone. And here we have three times? Three times dope. Funky dividends. I just got through talking about these guys, about their infatuation with fashion and how often they wore Jordan 3s. This is a totally different album cover, but this is um, this is a single for Funky Dividends. But even on the um, Greatest Man Alive and on the album cover, they always wore um, Jordans. 
But um, they were more known for, I think EST was more known for that half top because, like, it was a Caesar, half Caesar and half flap top. It was pretty ill haircut. But these dudes were fresh, too. Three times dope, like, as far as dressing, they were fresh. And this is around that, um, you know, Fresh Prince, Cosby Show type of era where everything was real colorful in hip-hop. I want to ask you about the gumball rally, Bun B. Like, there's the gumball rally. You drive in cars, don't you? Yeah, yeah. We're driving in cars. The gumball rally is a seven-day, 3,000-mile rally. <clears throat> we tend to do it... Um, uh, once DJ Muggs. Yeah, yeah. DJ Muggs and, and myself do it every year. And um, well, I don't know why it's hard to explain now, but it's it's different. Like, you know, we drive from city to city, sometimes country to country, um, usually about 100 cars, sometimes as many as 125 cars. And we just caravan across countries and through cities and just taking in the world and, you know, enjoying a good drive. Well, that's what I was thinking about. Like, you go around the world. It's pretty dangerous driving in a car, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I almost got stuck at the border in russia uh twice um you know i've had you know i've had a tire blow out at me in the in the in the mountains of italy at like one in the morning so this it's uh it's not the easiest thing to do you know and regardless of what kind of car you got you can have a brand new car it doesn't matter um something can happen at any given time luckily the gumball family is that just that a family and your brother's are always consigned to hold you down. We never leave anyone behind. That's kind of what we share with the Marines and whatnot. And um, no, it's it's probably one of the greatest things I've ever done. I'm getting ready to do it in a few weeks as well. well what I was thinking about that is you've traveled the world. It's been pretty dangerous. But the worst experience you had at the Gumball was getting injured on stage performing, like not in a car. You got injured on stage? Yeah, well, I didn't even get a chance to perform because somebody bumped me off the stage and I fell in a fractured my elbow in two different places. But... You know, we rally on, so I broke my arm on the third, but I didn't go to a doctor till the eighth because I wanted to finish the gumball. It's just weird how it happened on the stage, like your regular habitat, I guess, the stage, and it didn't happen in the car. Yeah, I know. I mean, um, it's familiar ground for me, and I thought I would have had you know better footing that day, but I, apparently I didn't. Bun B, one of the best bands in Houston is the Tauntauns. You love the Tauntauns? I'm an extremely big fan of the Tauntauns. I think they're an incredible band. I think their lead guitarist is amazing. I think Asley, their singer, is incredible. And I only wish big things for those guys. They're very modest. They're very humble. But they work very, very hard at their craft. And it's, it's to be appreciated. How did you discover them? They performed at the Houston Press Awards, Houston Press Music Awards, a year that I was nominated. I had never seen them or heard them before. So it was a lot of great guys like the Tauntauns also Nick Greer, um, who's an amazing artist in his own right, just got a new project coming out. Were people that I had never seen, but we were all nominated with each other. Um, and it just opened my eyes up to so much great music in the community of Houston. Have you had any contact at all with South Park Mexican? No, I haven't, unfortunately. Not since he's been in prison. Um, you know, we had a very good relationship while he was out. I actually interviewed him for BET at one point, uh, but I, I wish him and his family all the best, and hopefully there's a speedy return for him, I guess. Bun B, K. Reno. Best battle rapper alive. Now, he goes way back, doesn't he? Like, he put something out as, like, real chill in 87? Yeah, yeah. He's been around for a long time, and he's, again, one of those founding members of hip-hop's, um, of Houston hip-hop culture. Um, he and his, as he calls it, his black book, which, which is full of rhymes, he's um, basically, you know, that's what he does. He just battles people. Puts out albums as well, but... I mean, even to this day, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to step in the ring with him at all. And you battled ESG in 93? Uh, I wouldn't say battled. Um, I would say more of compared styles type of thing. You know what I'm saying? That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, it wasn't that kind of thing. He wanted to show us what he had. I showed him what I had. And uh, there was mutual admiration. He's now one of my longest friends in music. How about 
about the L.A. rapper? Have you heard about the L.A. rapper, Houston's first rapper who put out something in 85? No, I didn't. The L.A. rapper. I have never heard of that. Red, you heard of that guy? The L.A. rapper? It was L.A. rapper. It was a seven-inch called the L.A. rapper, MacArthur Park. McGregor Park. McGregor Park, sorry. Oh, wow. You know about that nomination? Wow, that's something I don't know about. I remember on Fondren. It was like a seven-inch released in 85, the L.A. rapper, McGregor Park. That's amazing. You didn't bring that with you, did you? No, I didn't. It's a rare seven-inch. I mean, how much rare hip-hop do you have from Houston? Uh, Apparently a lot more than I knew about. Winding up here, Bun B, UGK, Funky Connection, 1987. I saw that on YouTube. Do you have any recollection of what that song is? Yeah, that funky connection from UGK would have been... The original um, UGK members was Pimp C and uh, Mitchell Queen. They were a group before, and then I was in a group, and then we all got together in a four-man group, and then two left, and then there was left with Pimp C and I, and we went back to the UGK name. But that's what that would come from. Wow, that's on YouTube? Yeah, that's on YouTube. Oh, man, that's crazy. I wonder who uploaded that. I guess you can look for the username and find out. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to look at, the, look at that and find out. Bunby, quote, I've been all around the world, but Port Arthur is the worst place that I've ever found. Wow, who said that? I guess they couldn't understand it here, honey. They'd laugh me off the street. Wow. Janis Joplin? Janis Joplin, Ego Rock. Wow, that's crazy. Because she's from Port Arthur, where you're from. Absolutely. Um, she's, um, of course, everyone knows Janis Joplin is a music legend right now, but she's also, um, she was also a resident of Port Arthur, Texas, born and raised there. And um, they treated her like shit. You know, she was a very progressive person. She was not racist. She was open to, to other cultures and other music. And uh, at the time, Port Arthur was not um, a very open community. And she um, succeeded in spite of that. But she never forgot how bad they treated her. And I thought in honor of Janis Joplin, I would give you, Bunby, an original Janis Joplin handbill. You can pull it out there from 1967 from the Avalon Ballroom in San Francisco. This is amazing. Everybody knows that San Francisco was where a lot of the greatest musicians of this time went to spend time and hang out with each other and just embrace the culture. Wow. Big Brother and the Holding Company. This is amazing. And you can turn it over. It's actually a postcard, too, so you can mail back your tour memories from Vancouver. Oh, that's amazing. I would never, of course, use this. I'm going to actually save this for the rest of my life. This will be in the Bun B archives forever. Thank you very much, Narwa. Well, you're in the archives as well, aren't you? Yeah, apparently now. Museum of the Gulf Coast. Yeah, Museum of the Gulf Coast. Um, With Janice. Yeah, this is true. Actually, we're rubbing shoulders now, so to speak. But um, she was definitely an influence on us because she never let what anyone said about her or to her stop her from what she was doing. And that's kind of what UGK stands for, not listening to anyone, um, you know, trying to talk you out of your dreams. You know, if you believe in it, you should go for it and try to achieve it. That's what being trill is all about. That's what Janice was about. And that's what Pimp and I were about. You are Bun... B. Have you ever met Bun E. Carlos from Cheap Trick? No, I haven't. That's a... You know what? That's a, that's a good question. I have not. I think I... I think Time I, to arrange that. Nard, why are you on it? All you got to do is interview him, and then I'll hold the camera. He's a drummer, too. Oh, that's hot. You know, drummers get all the chicks, right? And lastly, Bun B, you're into shower rods? No, but I am into pussy. You did mention you're into shower rods. You were tweeting about shower rods. Well, I mentioned that I wish I had invested in shower rods. I wish I had uh, had that kind of an idea because apparently now they're in uh, high favor. Bun B, anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Pussy.
Well, thanks much, Bunby. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do. Dirty son of a bitches need to wash they motherfucking ass, man. Don't make no goddamn sense. Shit pissing me off, man. I'm serious than a motherfucker. Dirty ass bitches. Hey, yo, I think I better break for the joke. Cause somebody ain't washed that ass for show. Could it be crazy? See, I have to pause. You my nigga, but it smell like you that shitted in your drawers. On the other hand, my man sleep always clean. But one of you hoes in this room smell like a dope bean. Nah, I done told you time and time again in the past. Don't be grimy and slimy, bitch. Wash your ass. Wash your ass. Wash your ass. Wash your You're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. You just heard from Houston, Texas, the convicts with Wash Your Ass. And before that, an interview with, from Port Arthur, Texas, Bun B. Bun B from UGK, rest in peace, Pimp C. Bun B 
Bun E. Carlos, as I kind of alluded to there. Well, I think it's time we play a bit of Bunny Carlos from Cheap Trick. So I thought we would play something by Bunny Carlos. In fact, it's a history of drum licks. Bunny Carlos is the drummer for Cheap Trick. And right now, we're going to hear Bun E. Carlos talking all about drum licks from a Connecticut drum show in 2011 on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. It's Bunny Carlos's History of Drum Licks. That intro evolved out of a, an intro when we did the song in the bars. We learned the song, and the guys were like, we switch guitars right here. So, okay, well, I'll, I'll do this, and you, you come in when you're ready. And then over about a period of about two years, it ended up to be about a, like a three-minute set piece before we actually recorded it on the live album. And uh, the drum licks on here, these, uh, I didn't invent these drum licks. Uh, they, they, they come from, you know, dr- drum licks didn't, originate with me they didn't come out of my head and I'm not a guy that reads music except if it's for French horn and I don't read any drum music and uh, so where did I get this stuff well I appropriated it as they say in the art world and you say in the music world I nicked it or I stole it or whatever I got my licks from other drummers so so how, how do you do this stuff well I'll give you about the, the 20 minute version here uh, which is page two I started off, and when I was about 12 years old, I came home. My brother was was playing a record, and previous to this, it was 1963 or so, I'd heard Elvis Presley on TV, of course, and it was Hound Dog, and it was you know. And mo- most rock in those days was like was was kind of like swing stuff, it was like you know. Because that's where it came from. The swing kind of evolved into, you know, and got got kind of more swingy, like got a lot of straighter, got kind of dumbed down a bit, started mixing with country music and blues, and kind of morphed its way into rock. And that's that's when I started growing up. So so I get home from school and I hear this song, and it's the Twist by Chubby Checker, and it's just basically. And I. I I, I come in and I heard this record and I was like, what is that? And it's, it's this new single and I thought, God, these hi-hats. Or I didn't know, even know they were hi-hats at the time. I was like, what is that? And I, I'm sitting there and I, I played it about ten times in a row. And why my brother wasn't around, of course. And uh, and it, I was like, well, this is, this is, whatever's going on here is really cool. And uh, about the same time, Walk Don't Run 64 came out right at the end of 1963. 
and it was by Mel Taylor, The Ventures, and it was kind of, a, you know... So, basically the one role. The Ventures, are at the same time, a group called the Safaris had a hit with a song called Wipeout, and it became mandatory for all drummers to know this, or you were like, you couldn't get in a band. And it was basically, uh, my favorite version was the Ventures version, and it was like a... You see, we're starting to get a little theme going here. First of all, the drummer's always going either a little faster or a little slower. There's an up and a down, and starting to get a little roll. The only other roll that anybody really did back in like '63 was basically. So, you know, I'm, I'm starting to hear this stuff, and uh, the Rooters had a single out, and the Ventures used that in their version of Wipeout, and it was, you know. Let's go. Let's go. And it just basically kind of went like that. It was like, oh, there's another good drum lick, the Let's Go lick. January 1964, I guess February 9th to be for sure, uh, the Beatles are on the radio. Uh, music scene suddenly started changing. Beatles on Ed Sullivan, they opened up with uh, All My Lovin'. They did She She Loves You made a big impression. They started it off kind of one, two. Now Ringo played the floor, Tom. It was a 14. I know Sullivan was a smaller kid. He played this thing on the hi-hats and it was just... I was like, how do you, this was a, it was like, finally, how did, how to get this great sound out of these two cymbals? So my mom went, my mom went down to Nielsen's House of Music in Rockford, and uh, this guy that went to school with my sister, Rick Nielsen, and they moved to town, his dad had a music store, and my mom went to get a snare drum, and God bless the salesman, he sold her a whole kit, and, uh, and it had these 10-inch hi-hats, a sonar kit, and, and it had this 15-inch garbage can lid and and all the chrome peeled off and about the first year I had it and stuff was stripping out on it. It, it didn't matter. It was great. 8 by 13, 14 inch deep, 16 tom, a little 4 inch snare drum. And I think they were made out of beech or some, some sort of wood. Kind of clanky little wood. And uh, it was great. And then finally I learned watching the Beatles, you're not, you don't get this wash. I'm sitting there like trying to do this with brushes and stuff, and I get these crummy cymbals, and so I started to notice, well, if you want to get the sound these guys get, you got to kind of have some of the gear they kind of have, too. And uh, the Beatles, they did She Loves You, they did Twist and Shout, it had the nice big fat... So we're still kind of basically doing the same two licks. Uh, please please me, they're doing that, and they get to they get to the middle of the verse, and he did the big. Like, so these things just got reinforced. More it's like, okay, there's two licks in rock. There's and there's the ventures lick.
And there you have it, Bun E. Carlos, A History of Drum Licks, Part 1, from the Connecticut Drum Show 2011. Of course, Bun E. Carlos, not related to Bun B, but sharing the Bun E. Bun B connection, was in Cheap Trick. So, thought I would take you into the world of Cheap Trick with this special Cheap Trick rare promo album called The White Album by Cheap Trick. Here we go. The White Album by Cheap Trick on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Cheap Trick is a band which has always boasted a special blend of onstage craziness and rock precision, blasting out their twisted teenage anthems with a bizarre yet instantly lovable bravado. They've been consistently cutting fine albums since their epic debut in 1977. And, thanks to the phenomenal success of their 1979 at Budokan LP recorded live in Japan, they have now achieved the status of world superstars, bringing their unmistakable brand of controlled madness around the globe and welcoming hundreds of thousands of new recruits with their latest album, Dream Police. Join us now for some of that madness and music as we present... Rick Nielsen, Tom Peterson, Bunny Carlos, and Robin Zander, collectively known as the international superstars Cheap Trick. intro song it's short and sweet and it helps make sure the PA system sounds right right away without using one of our more melodic tunes as a guinea pig
Hello, how are you? In that song, from their Heaven Tonight album, the band has incorporated the Lord's Prayer into the background. Rick explains. The Lord's Prayer was one of the few things that we knew that had a rhyme scheme. We started off by uh, having something a little more sinister, but then we decided to put that in there, and it had no great meaning at all, except it was just, uh, you put, sometimes you put effects, or you uh, try something just out of the ordinary to enhance the record, and we thought it was really odd that people actually even looked into our records that much and and pulled that stuff out, because when we go in and produce and work on records we always uh, like to like I say try new stuff and experiment and put crazy things in even though sometimes they have no bearing on the final product it's that craziness coupled with tight intense rock and roll that made cheap trick an international phenomenon album jackets tell us the band met in the south of France and returned to North America in 1973 according to legend they came together in a dusty French cafe but is that the real story? The real cheap trick story. Believe it or not, we've been together since 1973. The group originally started with two different members. Uh, it was originally Bunny Carlos and, and Rick Nielsen. That's me. And for about the first uh, six months of the of the whole inception and conception of the group. Uh, we had a different bass player and a different singer, but uh, Tom Peterson was only uh, uh, hiding out in the streets of Philadelphia waiting until we started making come and starve for six months. And uh, Mr. Robin Zander was under contract with some unscrupulous uh, agent, so we couldn't get him in the band for the first six months. And uh, But I think uh, after we got that first six months over, it's been Tom, Rick, Bunny, and Robin all the way, and here it is, 1980, and uh, we can say we've had a bit of success with uh, some of the albums we've made. We've made five albums, and uh, we're going to be doing a new one in the Caribbean starting February 1st, so uh, it's been good so far. Actually, we did not get together in a dusty cafe, that is true. It was a very clean cafeteria. And because of that, we are making cafeterias famous all over the world. And Bunny Carlos does have quite an extensive family, so I believe the fingers of his uh, family tree probably do extend into South America and into uh, Canada and all over the United States and all over in different parts of the world. So I think the story, although it's a little bit uh, not completely accurate of where we came from and what we started and what our names really are and all that stuff, it's pretty close, and it's a little, although it is a bit difficult to get your complete history of a group on one page. And so if you take it word for word, it is, yes, a little bit false, shall I say, to say the least. Actually, there's drummers in my family, Rick, all the way back to the American Civil War. Uh, you mean Bunny Lincoln? Bunny Lincoln, Bunny Roosevelt, Bunny Wilson, Bunny Roosevelt again. Bunny Truman. There's a basic element that's always used in our Cheap Trick songs, and the element of Bunny Carlos on the drums, probably one of the best. He's played with the best, and that's. But he's made. He's probably made the careers of many musicians you've heard of. You know, Bo Diddley, Del Shannon, Freddie Can, the Shirelles, Chuck Berry. He's. He put Chuck behind bars. He was so good. He you know, got him excited that he, was, he couldn't think about his taxes. So he, 
for some reason, you know, Chuck was so enthralled with the way Bunny played drums that he forgot to pay his taxes, and that's why he went to, he had to serve a little time, but I think probably if you'd ask Chuck about Bunny, he would probably, he could probably go on for, go on and on, so yeah, I'm sure there's no sour grapes or, you know, ill feelings about his prison sentence. There is a bit of melody that we use in our tunes, we try to have a little harmony, and uh, again, with a lot of our tunes, we try to have them real diverse, and I think it it helps because there's real diverse characters in the band. You know, like you got the guy like Tom Peterson who plays four, eight, and ten, and twelve string bass guitars, so they they had a different little different sound. And then the way that Robin sings, he always uh, he acclimates himself to the song. So like uh, one song could be a love song, next song could be a hate song, and he he does them with with an equal vengeance, and uh, he can interpret. Uh, like I write a lot of the songs, he interprets them better than I usually. He usually comes up with better stuff and more emotion than I've ever put into him, so it, he makes me look good. Surrender, that is that is a song about kids who have weird parents. And I don't know anybody in the world who does not have or did not have weird parents. In the, so it's a true story. You know, uh, uh, the names have been changed to protect the guilty. The White Album, a 1980, thank you, LKA, promo album released for Cheap Trick, 1980. The White Album. Right now, to end the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, going to play some local music. First, actually going to begin with a record that was given to me by Russell Kwan from The Mummies and Dukes of Hamburg. It's by the Canes. It's Kane's Cousins, and the song is Support Your Local Bands. So it's natural after I play Kane's Cousins, Support Your Local Bands, we play some local bands. Going to play something brand new from Chris Arnett from the Anvil Island CD. We are going to hear the song The Vancouver Sun. Chris Arnett was also in The Furies, Vancouver's first ever 
punk band and who opened for the Fury's first gig at the first punk gig in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Dishrags, who were on the Nardwarda Human Serviette radio show a couple weeks back. Then, going to play something by the Albertans. We are going to hear Ohio Powers by the Albertans on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. And thank you. Actually, thank you, the Albertans. I'm just checking to see. Yes, we're going to hear the song Ohio. Not The song Powers is also on the B side of this LP. And thank you, Albertans, for giving me the record and also an Albertans bag. So we are going to hear the Albertans Powers, sorry, the Albertans, Ohio. And before that, we're going to hear Chris Arnett from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada with the Vancouver Sun. And we're going to begin right now to end the Nardboard Human Serviette radio show with Kane's Cousins from the 1960s with Support Your Local Bands on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio. Shh. Uh, sh- <clears throat> show and let's just check there for one moment what we have happening yes on the Nardward human survey oh that is interesting That is the sound of a wheeled chair moving back and forth. And you can experience that sound of a wheeled chair if you want to join CITR Radio. It's room 233 of the Student Union Building, where you too can become a DJ and support your local bands! Now let's put some spots in there, I really want some. Song they made 
hearing that song before But I don't think that it was the right tune No, no, no I sure do recall how time stood still On Kit Solano Beach underneath the weeping willow Clouds in the sky Don't bring me down Cause I'm in love With a heroin town Who forgive me For things I've done Like waiting in the rain For the Vancouver Like waiting in the rain, like waiting in the rain for the For fools 